This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. And today I'm joined by Scott Colnut, who is the product manager at Site Visibility. Scott, how are you? I am very well, thank you. I've got a cup of tea here. Um, hopefully you won't hear me slurping on it. Uh, but yeah, I'm ready and interested to talk about our subject today. Well, well feel free. I mean, whenever I'm talking, just slurp away. It, it makes <laughs> the, the show more authentic. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at Site Visibility, then we'll get into the, uh, the, the crux of the show. Yeah, sure. Uh, So yeah, as uh, you mentioned before, I'm our product manager. Essentially, what that means is that I productize the processes and things that we do. Ideally, I try to reflect uh, what's happening in the market to make sure we're up to date with what's happening in the industry, uh, but ultimately to reflect the things that we want to change in the industry as well. So uh, and meet our clients needs. Um, So those three things go into my role. I've been an account manager and held a number of different roles here uh, in the last three years. And I'm heavily involved in recruiting, which is why the topic came about for this podcast. Yeah, because the topic is uh, all about the skills and characteristics that you need uh, in order to be a successful sort of a digital marketing candidate. And uh, you've got a lot of experience with this, haven't you, Scott? Yeah, I've recruited, uh, again, for a number of different roles, from account management roles to technical roles, creative roles, content roles. Uh, What I don't necessarily know is... uh, successful perhaps suggests that I know how to be successful myself, which I definitely don't. Um, But what I'm definitely trying to do is point people in the direction of really how they can let their skills and personality show in order to get them through the door, really, and uh, keep them that. Well, fantastic. It's funny, actually, because it's it's a question that I often get asked. People come up to me and they say, you know, what do you need to? I'm interested in SEO or what should I, what? Funny, funny, strange thing is people say, well, what language should I learn? Yeah. Well, I suppose JavaScript, but you don't really need to know language doing doing SEO. Uh, no, that, no, that's an interesting topic in itself. Actually, a lot of people uh, just that point about development. Do you need to be a developer in order to get into digital marketing? Yeah, is uh, an often debated topic. I would argue uh, not. You don't need to be a developer. I'm not a developer, but I certainly admire people that come from development backgrounds, and uh, that, yeah, that hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gave, I hope it was the right advice. I gave someone advice recently because they said, well, I appreciate I need to understand some programming. What would be a good programming to learn? And I said, well, let's always have a look at JavaScript because JavaScript is used fairly well. Was that good advice or bad advice? No, I think that's good advice. Um, what, I, what I tend to say is with whenever it comes to languages or anything that's a little bit more technical, particularly if you don't come from a technical background, it's just experiment and see what resonates with you most because some some languages just don't resonate with certain people and it's about finding the right language that fits you and your goals and uh, that tends to be the advice I'll give. Yeah, well JavaScript's a funny old language anyway, isn't it? It's, it's got yeah. good bits and bad bits. I think the trick is just to know the good bits. Okay, well let's talk about, um, so if you're somebody that's looking to sort of become an SEO person or get into sort of digital marketing and you want to make yourself attractive, let's start with um, let's start with CVs. Um, uh, CVs, yeah. do, I mean, do you need a CV these days? Uh, do you need a covering letter? What's your opinion on this? I've got quite a strong opinion on it, I guess. Uh, I really don't like CVs, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean I have a solution as to how to remove them uh, from the recruitment process. I think, particularly in digital marketing, I think there are resources available to people which allow them to express themselves better than perhaps just than just a CV format. And, uh, you know, lots of people that have experience in this industry have projects that are live, they're out there on the internet, Perhaps they have uh, blogs, their own uh, projects that they're working on. 
they have results that they can share and demonstrate via a URL that they can send me over. We have mm-hmm. things like now, like we're on Skype, you know, you can jump on Skype chat or WhatsApp, like a lot of brands are doing. Mm-hmm. And there's just, I think there are, there are softwares and options that bridge the gap between the CV that perhaps still are and need to be explored. Um, so yeah, that's, I don't like CVs for that reason. I think there's a better way to show your personality. A lot of people now that I've come across sort of say things like, well, LinkedIn is my CV these days. What, what do you think about that? A lot of people use LinkedIn, don't they? Uh, it's not that I think LinkedIn's bad. It's that to, for me, uh, LinkedIn, uh, I think a LinkedIn CV is probably better than your typical word PDF CV hmm. because you can, you can add some of your, uh, you've got the testimonials, you've got all the other things at the end. Uh, you can link out to, uh, and it's a it's an easier format for me to digest if I'm going through looking at someone's profile online. Um, but it's still not great. It still doesn't tell me the full story. There's just for me, um, and again, it, this is it is quite subjective. But I quite like to have an open conversation first. Uh, whether you know, if someone, and we'll talk about this maybe on today's podcast. But if someone wanted to add me on Skype, they were interested in a role. We chat on Skype about the role before. You know, it's it's almost like a pre-interview as such, mm. and that's really. That's really what a CV should be. Um, so yeah, I I don't I, CVs are just quite boring. I think <laughs> I just I, uh, a lot of people, and this is another thing that I think probably perhaps makes them boring. There's a couple of reasons, but I think the first is that typically people aren't confident when writing these days about anything because most people just aren't writers. We're not, uh, you know, most people are short to the point on social media every day. So when it comes to writing out about yourself, a lot of people have inhibitions, so they don't want to write about themselves anyway. Mm. Uh, and then when it comes to a slightly longer form writing about themselves, they're even more less inclined to do a good job or, or less prepared to do a good job. So I just don't think it mits, uh, fits necessarily the medium of today. Mm. And that's uh, probably what makes them a little bit more boring because it does. It usually typically means that the CV doesn't match the person uh, for me, often when I meet people anyway. Interesting point, actually, about social media, isn't it? We are getting used to this sort of much shorter form of content. Yeah. Maybe we're losing the skill of writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, or yeah, or perhaps gaining skills that, and this is maybe a point for people recruiting like me, is perhaps uh, you could argue that either people need to apply in different ways or that recruiters need to suggest different ways for people to apply. So maybe we should, like uh, site visibility or me, I should make it easier for applicants to apply and not have to submit their CVs. Now, what about qualifications and degrees and things? How much sort of weight do they carry with you? Uh, well, degrees aren't particularly important for me, uh, but that's not because I devalue them. Um, I don't, you know, disclaimer, I don't have a degree myself. Mm. Perhaps that makes me a little bit more biased. Um, but there's a few reasons as to why I don't think degrees are particularly important for me personally. Uh, one of those reasons is that people from academic backgrounds, in my experience, it takes a little a little longer for them to adapt to agency and digital life because of how volatile is probably uh, too much of a negative word, but mm. uh, how much flexibility you need and how much self-learning you need to, uh, how much time you need to invest in self-learning. I think that's particularly important. And it's, you come out of university and all of a sudden you, you've lost that structure and perhaps you move into an agency and, you know, agencies move uh, super fast. Uh, you've got clients, so clients to respond to, the industry to respond to, and you just don't have that structure anymore. And I've seen uh, a lot of people come from degree backgrounds that have struggled with that and particularly struggled with the self-learning aspect. Um, so you come out of an environment where you're kind of taught, you've got a structured learning process and then that doesn't exist anymore or it doesn't exist to the degree that it used to. Yeah. So that, that can be, I've seen people really struggle to adapt uh, to that. And uh, the people that haven't got degrees um, that I've worked with in my experience just tend to be 
uh, better self-learners or they've typically been put in a position and they've ended up in digital marketing because they've navigated their way there yeah kind of naturally through the industry in some form i guess uh, similar to yourself like i don't know where you started off i think it was development wasn't it perhaps and you me. Up with, um, me, me personally, yeah. oh, it was thousands yeah. of years ago. I mean, I was I was a zoologist at first. I got a degree in zoology. Oh, right. It's completely irrelevant, yeah. really. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but essentially, you've navigated your way through development and digital. And now you're on the podcast. And you're kind of you know you're hosting the podcast, and yeah. I think that for me is uh, you know. So that's one reason, anyway. That there, there are more natural progressions uh, for self learners, I think. But the second reason, I think it tends to be, and this is. Again, this is quite biased from my perspective, but because digital marketing in particular is still in such, uh, is still in its infancy, really, um, I find it very strange the concept of a prospectus, like a yearly prospectus that's built, which perhaps by the time people, by the time the uh, students are already learning, it's perhaps already outdated. Mm. And uh, that, that's, that's a really tough thing for me to go. I don't know how you, I don't even know if the people can exist across the world. There are enough people who know enough about the industry and its history to teach in such a way i don't know that there's a better way than you know i don't know if a, if a degree is the best way to learn when in an industry that's in its infancy um perhaps it's not i'm not sure but um it's a it's an interesting topic but yeah to, my point is that i don't think you need a degree yeah it's interesting actually because i mean it's such a volatile rapidly moving area isn't it i mean when i think about some of the things we were talking about just a couple of years ago They've all they've changed, you know. Um, it, it is a, a volatile. But don't you think that people with degrees uh, it sort of illustrates that they're good at learning, picking things up, or what do you think? Um, uh, not necessarily. That doesn't mean that I don't think they're good at learning. Mm. But I think a point that I'd make is that if, for example, if there was someone that applied for a job today and um, they had a degree in some digital media, uh, digital media related topic. Or there was someone that had spent 500 hours of their time this year on Udemy or Linda. For me, those people are equal in, you know, equal in experience and the time that they've invested likely in the in their learning process. There's no, there's not a huge difference for me. Um, in fact, I'm, you know, thinking out loud, I'm probably more interested in the person that's gone and invested their time and money on the courses that they chose. Uh, to learn on one of those self-learning websites yeah uh, that, that that for me is that that already is intriguing as i'm as i'm talking out loud about it and so i've been naturally more inclined to ask those uh, ask those people more questions about it they've they've had to think about what they want to invest their time in a little bit more than someone who's selected a degree in advance i guess i don't know that's uh, that's uh, that's my thought process behind it you mentioned earlier about um, sort of working in an agency and the sort of the agency culture and sort of like sort of corporate lifestyle, if you like. Do you think people uh, need to have previous experience working in an agency, or don't you think that matters too much? Matter too much. Um, there's there's one example that stands out to me. I won't mention their name, uh, but a, a previous agency that I worked in, that, and that's partly the reason, kind of, at this point in particular, I wanted to discuss was there was a guy who I uh, worked with in a previous agency who. He came in off the street uh, one day and he turned up at the reception of the agency and he just asked if they had any jobs. He, he had heard a little bit about digital marketing, didn't know much about it. Yeah. He turned up and said, do you have any jobs? I'm willing to work from the lowest level. Um, this was maybe four or five years ago. Hmm. Uh, and now, What's the best mattress for you? Well, if you're an egg or a kitten, check out the competition. But if you're a human person, put your body on a nectar mattress. As well as award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. 
Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. He's a business development manager within that company. He's, you know, he's got a really good job. He's, wow. he, navi- he navigated his way from like intern to, at first he was like an SEO engineer type role, and then eventually into business management. And uh, he really enjoys the industry. And so I think that that enthusiasm in this industry goes a long way. Uh, just having a curiosity um, about the industry. I, I think a lot, and again, not everyone, but some people that I meet have just ended up in digital marketing or, you know, in specialized areas such as SEO through intrigue so some web developers for example just le- have maybe learned about seo and all of a sudden it, it just you know they hone in on seo and it just becomes an addiction it becomes a bug and um i see a lot of people find their way into one of those channels in that way and um so yeah i don't, I don't you know sometimes it can come from maybe you start up a blog because you've got an interest in a particular industry or topic and then one day when you're writing a blog post you figure out you find out about something called seo and all of a sudden you invest your time in SEO and you've got enough experience built up uh, to join an agency. You know, that's sometimes yeah. the route people people travel through. That's a fascinating story. I get the distinct impression then that you're probably going to say that you don't necessarily have to even have a digital marketing related job in order to get into the digital marketing area. Would, would that be true? Yeah, I would say so. I think that um, as an example, if you're a, you know, a lot of people transitioned over from the traditional PR industry to perhaps online PR or influencer marketing, they have skills that are transferable. And I think we're going to see more and more of that over the years with, uh, well, we've seen it with journalism, typical journalism, you know, uh, journalists have, ha- have had to adapt to uh, the digital digital age. And so they've had to adapt their skills. So maybe their job 10 years ago was a journalist. And today it could be, I don't know, a content manager for some agency. This, um, I don't think had a digital job necessarily. Uh, no, I, yeah, I don't think that's true. Now, you've done a few interviews, Scott, haven't you? What sort of questions do people find most difficult in an interview? You know what? There was a very specific question. I'll, I'll make, I'm going to mention it anyway because it always made me laugh. But I used to ask people what Google Plus ripples were. And it's a social media thing that used to be on Google Plus. Mm. And over maybe 100 interviews, nobody knew the answer. And it always blew me away that nobody knew the answer. doesn't mean that I thought it was a – I just – it was this little hidden feature of Google Plus that I personally really liked. I thought it was really useful. Yeah. And then, uh, and then recently, uh, Google got <laughs> they got rid of the feature, and so that ruined that question for me. So now I can't <laughs> ask it anymore. So now everyone can answer all of my questions. Uh, no, uh, the, the there's one that really stands out to me actually, and it's when you ask someone. Um, I, I usually ask the question to people, uh, not necessarily what are your weaknesses, but I typically ask for a moment them to pinpoint a moment where they thought, "I wish I hadn't done that," or it's usually a regret. Um, something that, that um, it's like a face palm moment is another way I'll describe it in an mm. interview. Mm. Uh, and and I think that's um, a lot of people really find it difficult to answer that question. And uh, I find that really, I, I still find that quite surprising because I think we've all had those moments where we're, we wish we hadn't done something. We take huge lessons from it. Mm. And for me, if someone is able to, even if it takes them a moment, if they're able to pick out a specific incident, uh, a specific moment where they, they, they wish they hadn't done something, it really stands out that they're quite self-aware to me, and I really like that. It means that they've got a kind of a, a full picture of the things they've done, either right and wrong, throughout their career. It's a, they tend to be a bit more balanced, and uh, it's it's really good if they can answer that question. It is actually quite a difficult one because I'm, I'm just trying to think now. If I was asked that question, what would I say? All I can yeah, come up but, with are just quite trivial little things, actually. 
Mm. Yeah, uh, but that's fine as well. If they are trivial, Mm. it doesn't have to be. It doesn't always have to be a big thing. But sometimes it's, uh, you know, maybe sending the wrong email to the wrong person in your business, or uh, you know, I've I've worked with people that have done that. They've sent emails intended for their colleagues for to their clients, and uh, (laughs) they've 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 instantly regretted it. Um, I personally, I think back to maybe ten years ago. Wow, graphic designer. It was one of my best jobs, and um, I I printed the wrong telephone number on about ten thousand uh, business cards or something, and cost uh, cost this particular company a few grand. Ugh. And it's always and it's always one of those moments where I kind of uh, I pride myself on diligence, and I talk about that kind of stuff all the time, and you write about it on your CV. And then in those moments when it happens, you just you kind of have to hold your hands up and just be embarrassed and just <laughs> let it sink in. But it's never left me, and I think a lot of people have tend to have at least one moment like that in their career um but it, it tends to be something that you bury and that's maybe why people struggle to bring it back up people don't like facing those memories god so <laughs> what are the things um you know when you're interviewing someone what are the things you're looking for most uh, in a sort of an interviewee um i what's really important and well, one is if you do have a cv make sure you've read it yourself i know that's sounds stupid and it sounds patronizing mm. but um i've definitely sat with people who have not read their cvs and sometimes that's because um and this is you know this is an important point to me is that i don't think you should let a recruitment agent write your cv that really doesn't work for me that that bridges the gap even further between you and the person you're uh, who you're interviewing with mm. and so um you know it's fine to go through recruitment agencies and stuff like that but it really it doesn't help, I don't think, to let your personality it, your personality just doesn't show if someone else has written your CV. So yeah, um, one, make sure that you're you know your CV, particularly if someone else has written it. Make sure when it comes to I particularly like people that who can demonstrate through specific examples or numbers. So if I ask a question, I, I like a response that gives me a bit of a story, give me a bit of context. You can immediately tell when someone has experienced something and when they've just prepared for an interview. There's a massive difference. Um, you just don't build a rapport with someone if um, if you don't think they're sharing their actual experiences. So um, even if it even if it takes a moment or even if we have to come back to the question in an interview, I prefer to someone to give me something that uh, is demonstrated through their own experience and not just something that they've you know read a, a blog post about ten top tips for interviews and just give me some jargon field answer. I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is. Uh, in terms of uh, things that I like demonstrate, I like uh, people who can give me uh, numbers when it comes to specifically when it comes to roles. Maybe it's analytics related roles or demonstrating experience that's specific to the industry or projects that they've worked on. Mm. I've worked, on, uh, you know, I've, I've read a lot of CVs and been in a lot of interviews where people said, "Oh, that pro-, people will say, oh, you know, uh, I worked on X project and it was really successful." And I'll say, okay, well, how do you define success for that project? And honestly, I don't care what the answer is as long as they can tell me what the project goals were or some kind of description about why that project in their minds was successful, whether it's metrics related, whether it's just a, an obstacle they personally overcame or yeah. anything like that. It comes down to self-awareness again, doesn't it, Scott? It, it really does, yeah. Um, mm. And if they can give me that answer, uh, that's really that you know that's the real positive for me. And if they can't give me that answer, then I just think, well, perhaps what you've just been doing is... Uh, you know, bulking out your CV and not really thinking about it. A lot of people actually don't seem to sort of dress in suits anymore, I've noticed, in the certainly in the IT realm. Is that true also of the SEO area? It's sort of smart casual? Yeah. Um, and again, this is perhaps, yeah, I agree, yeah, it's smart casual. For me, uh, there's, there's two factors to this, really. One is that I think that the 
the employer should do a better job um, explaining to candidates that what they should and shouldn't wear. And the reason for that is because candidates, I know it from myself, from applying for jobs, you worry about what, what you do or don't need to wear. It's one of those things that just sticks in your mind. And if you focus more on what you're wearing and less about your preparation for the actual interview, reading through your CV, uh, you're focusing your energy in the wrong areas. So I think from the offset, employers should do a better job of explaining when people should and shouldn't come in, uh, you know, how they should dress. And I think candidates, uh, yeah, just ask the question if you need to as well. And what I would say is that in digital marketing, I mean, I, I rarely meet people that really meet people that work in suits. It's usually, you know, in sales, uh, sales orientated roles. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's unnecessary to wear a suit or to dress super formal for an interview. In my opinion, I, I don't look at that in particular. Uh, what I would say is that obviously uh, you can't come in unclean or unkempt uh, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, on the flip side, your personal appearance to some extent can have a negative effect if you <laughs> if you are particularly unclean or dirty or whatever. But um, yeah, I think common use common sense pretty it's funny actually because there was um, my experience of this is is where I have worked in the last few years has been smart yeah. casual, but there was yeah. there was one chap um, who 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 used to work with us. I won't mention his name because I, I don't want to embarrass yeah. Michael, um, yeah. but uh, he, he dressed really great. He was he had always come in sometimes with a bow tie, a smart sort of uh, sort of like waistcoat, um, really nice shirts. He actually looked terrific. Would that put you off if yeah. someone like that walked in for an interview? No, it wouldn't necessarily put me off, but it's not always necessary. Like if if you if you put, if you're putting yourself in an uncomfortable position in an interview, mm. you're just not gonna you're not gonna put your personality across. You're not gonna get your points across. You're gonna feel uncomfortable. Mm. It's just um, you know I I, I what I, I guess what I'm getting at is that I don't mind either way. If that is you naturally, and that's typically how you dress each day, and that's yeah. fine. You know, um, if you want to dress smartly for an interview because you think that will make you feel more confident which again is uh, you know this uh, this study suggests that might be tr- uh, to suggest that might be true fine but um, i don't think it's necessary well scott thank you so much for joining us that was terrific what we're going to do is we're going to split this into two-parter so this first part was more from the perspective of you know someone coming in and interviewee or a candidate if you like and in the next part we'll do uh, the sort of the the business side so more from the perspective of the person that's doing the hiring so that'll be in the next part scott just before we go just let us know how people can connect with you and find you uh, well definitely don't submit your cv to me <laughs> i'm just kidding um, no uh I, I if you want to add me on skype you can contact me at uh, scott's site visibility yeah feel free if you want to chat about this podcast or we've got uh, we're, we're recruiting at the moment uh, add me on there and we'll chat about the roles we've got available fantastic well thanks for listening everyone the show notes as always are at sitevisibility.com forward slash im podcast um we're also on itunes and stitcher um i would encourage you to leave reviews because the more reviews we get then it helps us to grow the audience and we can help more people and we like that if you want to connect with me personally i'm dr pod doctor spelled out fully d-o-c-t-o-r pod on twitter and linkedin uh just mention the im podcast if you want to connect on linkedin then i realize who you are if you've got um, questions you can email us on podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk or there's the magic telephone line plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh if you want to leave an audio question or comment and you might get played on the show and that's it for today so it's goodbye from me andy it's goodbye from scott goodbye who will be back in the next show for part two see you next time <laughs>